0: On this edition of the Nonstop BS podcast, Jimmy Garoppolo to the Raiders, Aaron Rodgers, and Lamar Jackson, where? We cover all the most interesting signings of NFL free agency legal tampering period, and why the Aaron Rodgers complaining by the national media is getting unbelievably tiring, as well as rumors of Lamar Jackson's deal he turned down last fall. What is my best bet for the NBA playoff race? I have one team I am betting to miss the playoffs as we visit the odds. For teams to make and miss the playoffs in the NBA. It's March Madness. I will review my teams I have already bet to win the tournament, along with my Sweet 16 Elite Eight Final Four and Champions on my official bracket. And William Byron gets a last-second pass to win another race at Phoenix. Denny Hamlin ruins his and Ross Chastain's day with an unbelievable move to end the race. All this and more on this Wednesday morning edition of the Nonstop BS Podcast. Are you sick and tired of listening to the legacy media speak repetitively on the same team's topics, ideas, themes, and players every day? Nonstop BS is a podcast that will give you topics and thoughts about the NFL, NBA, college sports, NASCAR, and others with a deeper vision into why things happen the way they do around the world of sports. There are so many lazy takes from all your favorite media personalities that frustrate you and me every day when we turn on our television or phone. Whether it has to do with politics and sports, promoting big brands, and ridding topics of context just to sway the listener's opinion. I, for one, am sick and tired of this type of sports media, and that's why I'm bringing you Nonstop BS. Nonstop BS will dig deep into the why things happen in our favorite sports leagues, creating interesting conversation along with making me and you a smarter, more insightful, broad-thinking sports fan. Not to mention, I will give you betting picks from multiple leagues using our new way of thinking about the world of sports and having a little bit of fun with it, along with maybe putting some money in our wallets. So if this sounds like something you've been craving when tirelessly listening to people shout at you about how wrong you are from all of your favorite sports media outlets, then make sure you tune in with me, Cole Lynchide, and take the journey of these fantastic seasons we are gifted to enjoy for entertainment with me on Nonstop BS. What's up, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the Nonstop BS Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Lynchide. Um, on today's episode, we are going to be getting into the NFL, the NBA, the March Madness Tournament, and then the, uh, NCAA, um, which is starting on Thursday this week. Technically, it started on Tuesday night uh, with the play-in games, but um, Thursday is when the real action starts, so we'll get into that. We'll get into the Phoenix uh, race, the United Rentals Workers Blah, 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 blah. I'm getting so sick and tired of saying that. I'm glad we're done with that race. United Rentals Work United 500. What a ridiculous name for a race, by the way. I, I, I just, at Phoenix. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, with William Byron getting another big win. So we'll get into that and some drama that, hap- that took place at the end of the race. But to start off today, I want to start off with free NFL, the free agency frenzy. Uh, legal tampering period that took off yes, on uh, Monday afternoon, uh, early afternoon. And there was a lot of really interesting signings, a lot of really interesting names, some trades that took place. So I'm going to kind of give you guys the headlines. I know everybody probably knows who their team's gotten. who the, who. There's been so many players that have been signed. I'm going to give the headlines on the episode here and, and kind of go over some interesting moves and what I think they mean. Um, so to start off, I, there's no better place to start off than very quickly after a legal tampering period opened Jimmy Garoppolo um came to terms agreed uh to a contract with the Las Vegas Raiders. Now this is a really interesting move as everybody knows I've already talked about it I'm not I was not a fan of the way the Raiders handled the end of Derek Carr. Uh I wasn't a fan of them getting rid of Derek Carr and especially the way it was handled but Really, in general, I just don't understand the move of of walking away from Derek Carr. Um, When he had a contract, yes, that they could walk away from, but at the same time, it it wasn't an insane contract. He wasn't the problem with the Raiders last year. He was a problem, but he wasn't the problem by any means. I've already already exhausted that. I I didn't understand that. But bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo, um, I think it was in the position that they're in, and in the position that... um, that they find themselves in with everything that's happened I, I think Jimmy Garoppolo was a a really good signing for them it was something that needed to happen basically is, is um what I kind of think about it you know they they get him at um three years and he's gonna make around 24 25 million per year um and, and I, I definitely don't think this you know puts them out of the conversation to draft a quarterback this year. Um, right now in, in the draft, they sit at the seventh overall pick. So, you know, with, with Carolina jumping them and going, getting up to number one, you now have Carolina, Houston, and Indianapolis ahead of them. Um, I, I just don't think that they're in a position where they could really rely that they're going to get one of their guys, even getting Will Levis, I think is going to be hard and they're probably going to have to trade up to three and give away a haul to get any of those guys. And if all they can do is trade up to three and they don't like, Two of the two quarterbacks they believe are not going to be there, then they're not going to have, then they're not going to want to do that. So bringing in a guy, regardless, like Jimmy Garoppolo, on a team that is ready to win this year, um, you know they still have a ton of talent on their roster. Uh, they also signed Jacoby Myers, a receiver, so they bring him alongside Devontae Adams, um, and then another move I'm going to go over here in a minute, but. Uh, you know they have too much talent on their team to really throw this season away and to mortgage all the future on a rookie quarterback. So I think this was they they went out and got the best realistic guy for them. So I I thought, you know, in the position they're in, not a bad move for the Raiders and Raiders fans can at least feel excited that they're not going to be a disaster this year and and they still may get their quarterback of the future in the draft. We will see. Um, some other quick headlines to Javon Hargrave, who was by many people. Looked at as the best free agent uh, in the whole pool. Uh, interior defensive lineman for the Eagles last year. Had double-digit sacks. Was uh, absolutely awesome for the Eagles last year. Gets a big payday, well-deserved, making $20 million a year with the 49ers over a four-year contract. Um, I'm not really sure the guarantees on that. I think it was around $50 million, 50, $51, 52000000 in guarantees, I believe. Um, but I'm not 100% sure on that. I could look it up here, but... Uh, um, but anyways, this, this was insane to me that the 49ers can pull this off. I mean, you know, it's obviously believable, but this is what happens when you're not paying a quarterback. Um, you know, they have Trey Lance and Brock Purdy, both on rookie deals. Uh, you know, it just is insane. What, and when you look at the talent on the 49ers defense, uh, you got Fred, you know, Fred Warner at linebacker, um, you know, a, a lot of young players, Nick Boza, um uh eric armstead you know just defense is completely loaded with a to a plus players and they still can bring in the top guy in free agency offense littered with players on contracts too and you debo samuel george kittle trent williams um just to rattle off a few of the big ones and and this is but even when in in the 49ers are the most crazy case because even when you trade away th- mortgage three first-round picks for a rookie quarterback that is yet to pan out, you still can build a roster like this. Um, it's it's pretty amazing what the 49ers have done. So the strong gets stronger. Um, with the 49ers signing Javon Hargrave, that should be a fantastic fit, and I don't know what, te- what defenses are going to do um, <laughs> trying to defend Eric Armstead, Nick Boza, and Jav- Javon Hargrave on this defensive line. Uh, it's going to be pretty... Pretty annoying and frustrating for any offensive line in the NFC, obviously, this year. Um, some more moves here. Uh, on Also, or that happened on Tuesday. Those were Monday moves. On Tuesday, Darren Waller was traded for a third-round pick to the New York Giants from the Raiders. So a move um, with the Raiders, I kind of said they're a competitive team, a good roster, they end up getting rid of Darren Waller. You know he had a tough year last year, and uh, I, I think this kind of benefits both sides. The Raiders get more draft capital possibly to move up in the first round, and the Giants um, get a much needed playmaker for Daniel Jones. Uh, no excuses this year for Daniel Jones. He's got, you know, now Darren Darren Waller, uh, Wando Robinson. Sterling Shepard come back, came back on a prove-a-deal. Um, you know, they've got some players now, uh, and and I think they're also going to probably draft a wide receiver, if not trade for one. Um, but, you know, the Giants are trying to really see what they have in, in Daniel Jones over these next two years because um, they didn't lock themselves in super long-term with da- Daniel Jones. But this is this is a move that's really saying, hey, we're going all in with this offense. We want to see what Daniel Jones can give us. Um. Stephon Gilmore traded to the Dallas Cowboys on Tuesday evening. Um, another really good move, I feel like. Really strong move for the Cowboys. Stephon Gilmore was on the Colts last year, and the Colts' defense was pretty bad, but Stephon Gilmore still played really well overall. Um, he's getting up there in age, but th- this is a uh, put him alongside Trayvon Diggs back in that secondary. They bring back their safety um, as well, Donovan Wilson. Um, the Cowboys are bringing back some important pieces on defense. I think their defense is still going to be really good this year. Uh, but the, the one question is now at the wide receiver position where they definitely need to improve. Uh, also Dalton Schultz still a free agent right now, still has not been, um, not signed, but ag- has not agreed to a contract with anyone. Are they going to try to bring him back? Are they going to have to draft a receiver? I mean, the Cowboys are really tight on cap space right now. So going to be really, um, interesting to see how they fill a lot of those offensive positions and try to get better on offense. Cause that's really where they struggled um, a lot throughout the year last year. And then um, Rashad Penny was signed by the Eagles on Tuesday afternoon. Now, this one I find really interesting because Miles Sanders had a really good year for them. One of the better running backs in the NFL last year. Obviously, behind the best offensive line in the NFL. Um, but at the same time, he had a really good year. And they, they choose to go the cheaper option with Rashad Penny, who has super high upside. Um, but has, has yet to really had a, have a season where he's stayed healthy the whole year. Um, they also bring back Boston Scott, kind of their third down running back, who they use in a lot of shotgun packages and um, even goal line packages, to be honest. Um, so they bring back some cheaper options at running back, but nobody really that you're going to be super confident in starting and, and, and having be—take that Miles Sanders role. I think this may be hinting toward the Eagles with that 10th overall pick possibly trading down or just flat out where they are drafting Bijan John Robinson. Um, you got to remember they, they possess the 10th overall pick because of um, the trade that they uh, made last year with uh, the new Orleans saints. Um, and, and that, that is, I mean, what, what a trade that was, by the way, you just, you trade away, you trade down in the first round, acquire a first round pick the next season. And that turns into a 10th overall pick now, when you just had the most loaded roster in the NFL, granted they've lost a lot of players on defense right now, but um, still a super loaded roster, and you have the tenth overall pick and a later first round pick as well. Um, adding Bijan Robinson to this offense—and this is just me speculating—I mean, this is just me shooting one out there—but I, I I do think that the Eagles in a position to win now if you add Bijan Robinson, who's not just a running back but a playmaker a total playmaker to this offense it could be insane and I think the Eagles may be looking and doing their due diligence at least on Bijan Robinson and that could be one reason they're so comfortable with letting Miles Sanders walk also they still have a great offensive line they bring back Jason Kelsey on a one-year deal um, so you know they still have a fantastic offensive line it looks like a lot of those players that people were speculating may be moving on or retiring are not at this point um, obviously it's still a long offseason to go but Man, if you had in Bijan Robinson behind this team, behind this line, uh, it would be pretty insane, I feel like. Adding adding him with Jalen Hurts' running ability, the receivers they have on the outside, Dallas Goddard, um, pretty loaded offense that they have in Philadelphia. It's going to be a um, a really tough team again this year. And then we will get into now the Aaron Rodgers drama, the Aaron Rodgers um, confusion, the Aaron Rodgers people just. Having to just talk about Aaron Rodgers, not so. I turned on free agency frenzy on NFL Network yesterday when it all kind of started. All the action kind of was beginning, and it's like there's hundreds of players, and and I get it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a um, one of the best players in the NFL. He is one of the most popular players in the NFL, and everyone wants to know where he's going. There's a lot of drama going on with him, obviously, right now. But at the same time. It is so exhausting the way that people are talking about Aaron Rodgers. So, just to update you, if somehow you have not um, <laughs> seen what's going on here lately with Aaron Rodgers since the free agency kind of the legal tampering period opened, uh, Aaron Rodgers requests or he has spoken with the Jets. There's there's a lot of rumors that him and the Jets were getting pretty close to. Um, agreeing on, on on terms and stuff, and, and the Packers and the Jets were getting close to terms for a trade. And then on Tuesday early in the afternoon, there was a report that came out that said that Aaron Rodgers was requesting for the Jets to add Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis, and Odell Beckham Jr. Um, if, if he was going to play for them. And let me tell you, the media went wild. Every single station you could turn to was talking about how selfish Aaron Rodgers is, how uh, divisive he is. I, I see on Twitter just everyone just bashing Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, it's been like this for the last three years, ever since ever since Aaron Rodgers, basically ever since Jordan Love was drafted. Um, it's been like this with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and the media and Aaron Rodgers and him clapping back to the media. Listen, it, it doesn't make any sense, though. How these are the same exact people who you hear argue all the time for player empowerment, all the time. Every player, every every conversation between the team, owners and players, the media, and and these same people that I'm talking about are all on all over the backs of the players. But when it's somebody that they don't like, for political reasons, for them being a little bit different for them being a player that's willing to clap back against the media for them being a player that's willing to stick up for themselves against the media because they have that power. Then the media, Oh no, he he's selfish. He he's all about himself. He's, he's, you know, he, he wants every, he wants everything. He only thinks about him, you know, all that kind of stuff you hear. Um, (laughs) I just find it super contradictive and, 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 um just unbelievably annoying to have to listen to you know Aaron Rodgers with the covid stuff obviously got in the media's bad side with that uh with him him faking that he had the vaccination saying he was immunized um Aaron Rodgers with with the uh, the drugs and stuff i mean obviously everyone talks about how basically weird he is and just a, a different but Aaron Rodgers Uh, calling out media members who who have have said stuff about him and and the media not liking that. Aaron Rodgers uh, requesting trades over and over again. Uh, All these reasons are why the media hate Aaron Rodgers and why it's not okay for a player like Aaron Rodgers, who has leverage, it's not okay for a player who has leverage in the media's eyes to request for teammates that he's comfortable with, that he wants to be on his team, to request, he didn't demand; he requested for these players, for the Jets to add these players. Well, I find it funny that you know everyone talks about how, oh, the Jets, there's no way they'll still be interested in Aaron Rodgers. There's no way they'll they'll you know um, grant his terms and, and try to put in an effort to that. Uh, about an hour later, it was reported Alan Lazard signs a three-year contract with the new with the Jets. Uh, yeah, I think the Jets are going to probably do their due diligence on all four of those players. And I would not be surprised at all to see Odell Beckham Jr. and all three of these other players, Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis, and OBJ to the Jets. I think OBJ is probably going to be the toughest one because he's asking for so much money. Um, reported that he's asking for fifteen to $20 million is what he's trying to look for. And there's going to be a lot of teams that are trying to get Odell. Uh, but, I mean, you best believe, though, the Jets with a lot of – Cap flexibility, they're going to be doing everything they can to uh, go after these players, and I think if they do that and they get it, and they get Aaron Rodgers, and I mean you add these players, Alan Lazard, Nodell Beckham Jr. alongside Garrett Wilson, my goodness, that's a fantastic receiving core. um You know, you you could do a lot worse <laughs> than listening to Aaron Rodgers to get Aaron Rodgers on this young. Jets roster. And it's not going to destroy them. They don't have to pay a lot of these players on on the Jets roster for another two to three years. These guys are all going to be gone in two to three years. They only want one year contracts outside of Odell Beckham Jr. But even he probably only wants a two to three year deal that that has serious money. This is not going to shipwreck the Jets. You know, they're probably only going to have to give up one first round pick for Aaron Rodgers plus maybe a second or, or a third or something. It makes no sense for the Jets not to do this. And I I think Aaron Rodgers, not that he's going to get his way for sure. I think Aaron Rodgers is um I, I give him a lot of props for sticking up for himself and trying to get what he can when he has the leverage. Because if teams if if when these teams don't want Aaron Rodgers anymore, you best believe they're not paying him a penny. They're not they're not gonna pay him a penny. They don't care at all. Once he's once he's done doing what playing the way he does for them, that are going to be done with him. Lamar Jackson was offered a four-year uh, was reported to have been offered a four-year, two hundred million dollar guaranteed contract by the Ravens last sep- September by Adam Schefter. Um, and, and I mean that for all the people who are saying why is there no interest in Lamar Jackson, why is there no interest in Lamar Jackson? I'll, I wonder why. We've been talking about this for a while now, you know, Deshaun Watson, uh, got a four year fully guaranteed 46 million per year contract by the Browns. And because of that, Lamar Jackson says, well, I am better than him. I don't have the drama of him. I can, I can, I, you know, it wasn't ever reported. And it's still not, it's still not a for sure thing because Lamar Jackson did also today tweet, uh, that it was a three year, $133 million guaranteed contract. Which is still a lot of money. It's not. It's not even that. Now that contract's not better than the Deshaun uh, Watson contract. But you know, if it is a four-year, two hundred million dollars guaranteed contract that he turned down by the Ravens, and he wants more than that, that means he's getting into the fifty-five to sixty million dollar a year range of guaranteed money. Not 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 you know bonuses and all that. No, guaranteed money is what Lamar is looking for for a player that has been in the league for five years now and could get injured and could wear down very, very, very quickly. I mean, you know, this this adds into the Jets reporting with Aaron Rodgers and, and all the people on Twitter that I've seen and I've, I've talked with and and tried to explain stuff. of People saying that the Jets should, why, why would they be interested in Aaron Rodgers when they could go after Lamar Jackson? It makes no sense. Like, people, you're not looking at what the money is. You're not thinking about this is a salary cap league. Lamar Jackson's gonna be fifty or more million dollars off your books every single year when the cap is just over two hundred million. Aaron Rodgers is owed eighty two million guaranteed left over a three over three years. And most of it's front loaded. So you can get out of his contract after this year with like a twenty million twenty some million dollar a year cap hit. It's totally different. It's totally different. So I, I, I think Lamar is going to have a lot of trouble getting that contract. If what was reported is accurate, I think it's, he's going to have a lot of trouble getting that contract. And I think he may be, uh, if he doesn't watch it, he may be playing on the franchise tag this year. Um, so we'll see how that ends up going, but either way, no, no, nothing moving, at least at this point when I'm recording on Tuesday night on either besides that on the Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson fronts, but the drama continues. Okay, moving on to the NBA, where I'm gonna pick up the pace here a little bit since that went a little bit long. Um, I'm gonna give you guys my best bet right now um, to miss the playoffs. The make miss markets for the playoffs are definitely dwindling down here, with about 15 to 10, somewhere between there, depending on what team you're talking about. 15 to 10 games to go before the playoffs in the NBA. Um, You know, so I've looked through the odds here for um, to make them miss the playoffs, and there's not, like I said, there's not very many teams. That that really have interesting odds at this point because the races are getting tight and they're getting to where they're they're getting to where they're going to be pretty boring here pretty fast. But there was one bet that I found that I really like um, to to miss the playoffs. So that is, and I I'm, I would read there's live games going on as I'm recording here, so they took the odds off right now for um, all the other teams to make miss the playoffs. But my bet that I am making. Right as soon as they repost them is going to be uh, there because they're not playing tonight is the Dallas Mavericks to miss the playoffs at plus three fifty. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play this for a full unit. Um, listen, Luca and Kyrie have been unbelievably inconsistent, and 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 Luca's been hurt. He's supposed to be back, I believe, next week. But you know he's dealt with some injuries now too. Kyrie's just been inconsistent playing, just as he has been pretty much everywhere. Um, and even when they have played together, they've scored a lot, but the defense the Mavericks defense has been brutal since this trade's happened. And honestly, before that, even, but it's been even worse since this trade's happened since the all-star break. Um, I, I mean, even if this team makes it in the playoff play-in game, um, that, and that's another thing right there. They're most likely going to make it in the play-in game right now. Um, the standings sit, Minnesota is currently in the seventh seed, uh, Dallas is in the eight seed, and then the Lakers are the nine right now, and the Pelicans are the 10, with the Lakers and Pelicans also tied with the Thunder and Jazz um, for for the nine and 10 seeds. But the way it sits right now, they're only a half game ahead of all those teams. They're a, a, a full game behind Minnesota, and they're two games behind the Clippers for the sixth seed. You know, they could get on a run, and they could still get the sixth seed, but. They're a team trending down. They're 3-7 in their last 10 games. They're on a three-game losing streak right now. If they end up in the eighth seed, which is what I predict, Minnesota will have home court advantage in a play-in game. I think Minnesota will squash this team. I think Minnesota defensively is a lot better. Uh, I think if they get Carl Anthony Towns back, we haven't seen a lot of of him and Rudy Gobert. Um, With Mike Conley, we haven't seen any of that. Um, and then Anthony Edwards, who's playing just amazing basketball right now. Um, I think Minnesota would squash this team. And then you'll have Dallas playing a home game against either likely the Pelicans with possibly Zion back or the Lakers with LeBron back with D'Angelo Russell. The Lakers playing a lot better as of late also. I think that's the most likely situation, but I also think that if I'm, if, 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 if there's a chance of the the Mavericks doing anything, whether it's moving up or moving down from the eight right now before the playoffs start, I think it's moving down. Because the Lakers are hot. The Pelicans have been better lately, kind of. <laughs> but they're only a half game behind the, the Mavericks and they've been just as good as the Mavericks have been pretty much since the All Star break. And they don't even have Zion. And they haven't had Brandon Ingram for a lot of these games. Um, you know, I, I think the I think the Pelicans and the Lakers, either one of those teams. Match up really well against Dallas, even with Kyrie and Luka. Now, Luka can just go crazy, that can ruin this bet immediately. But plus 350 on what that situation is that I just said, I love those odds. I think this should be priced more close to plus 200 um, for them to miss the playoffs, maybe even plus 150 personally. But uh, plus 350, I'm going to put a full unit on that for the Mavericks to miss the playoffs. Okay let's move on to March Madness and I'm going to give you guys my futures that I've already made throughout the season. And then I'm going to go over my bracket and just give you guys my bracket before we get into the NASCAR, um, then the race at, at, uh, at Phoenix last weekend. So bets I've already made here for the March Madness tournament this year. Um, and these are all outrights to win the tournament. So I have, um, six different teams, no, five different teams, six different bets that I've made. Um, to win the tournament. So five teams I'm rolling with going in Um, early on in the year in, in early January, I made a half unit 50 to one play on Indiana. Um, That's to win 25 units. I also made a half unit 30 to one play on Creighton. That was to win four or uh, that was to win 15 units. Then in mid February, I made a two unit play on a 15 to one Alabama That's to win 30 units. I also simultaneously the next day made another Creighton play. Uh, So this is still mid-February, 50-1 to uh, for a half unit on Creighton. So now I have uh, a full unit on Creighton to win 40 units. And then just um, on Monday, I made two more full unit bets so that I have five and a half units in play. And those were so. These are still pretty much available. These last two, if you guys are interested in in betting on this tournament, I think these are probably the best bets right now. I have a one unit play on uh, UCLA at fifteen to one, so that's to win fifteen units. And I made a one unit play on a ninety to one for Memphis to win the tournament. Now I know Memphis. That's a really public play, but man, I mean, watching them in that tournament, Memphis is going to be a team that can beat anyone and lose or lose to anyone. But if they get hot and go on a run, just like they did in their conference tournament, um, when they when they beat Houston and squashed Houston, honestly, uh, Memphis is a team that could literally beat anyone in this tournament. And they're an eight seed, and they're ninety to one right now. I think that's ridiculous. the the The, the bracket has sixty four teams. There's a lot of prices, a lot shorter than Memphis of teams that I think are way softer than them. I mean, half the price of Memphis. So um, ninety to one on Memphis. That is. By far my favorite bet, um, and and it's honestly it's shrunk down on a lot of books that one has even over the last couple days because so many people are hitting Memphis in every different way um, based on how they played in the, in the tournament in their uh, conference tournament. Listen, I mean I don't usually want to react to how they, how a team's played in the conference tournament or overreact I should say definitely want to react don't want to overreact but Memphis, I feel like that's a little bit different. I feel like their price did not shorten nearly as fast as it should have. So 90 to one on Memphis. Honestly, I like it all the way to 70 to one, which I know there's still 70 to ones available as I'm, I'm saying this. So um, love Memphis right there. So I have five and a half units. I win a bare minimum of 15 units, if any of these hit. So a total profit of nine and a half units all the way up to if Memphis wins, my biggest win would be 84 and a half units. So Okay, my bracket that I have right now, so I'm gonna go through my whole bracket. Um, hopefully you guys have, are making brackets. It's one of the most enjoyable sporting um, events and, and and things to do in sports throughout the whole whole year. Um, and uh, so anyways, if you guys want some advice on bracket, I'm, I'm not I mean, who who really is like an expert at the march at the college basketball tournament? Nobody. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that I listen to that are really smart, talk college basketball. Um, and, and I think that there's a lot of people that know a lot, but this tournament is so freaking random. That's why nobody ever gets the perfect bracket or even close to it, to be honest with you. Um, very rarely does that happen, but anyways, my, these are my picks. So if you're, um, interested in listening and kind of trailing, that'd be fun. Here's my sweet 16. So. In the South region, I have Alabama playing San Diego State. Alabama, the one seed, playing the five seed, San Diego State. I have Creighton, the six seed, also making it, and they will be facing Arizona, the two seed. Then I have Alabama beating San Diego State, and Creighton, the six seed, beating Arizona, the two seed, to make the Elite Eight in the South, um, Alabama and Creighton. And then I have Alabama making it to the Final Four and representing the South region. Okay, in the East region, I have Memphis, the eight seed, as we talked about, um, beating Purdue in the in the second round and making it to the Sweet 16. And then I have Oral Roberts, also the 12 seed, um, that they will play in the Sweet 16, along with Kansas State, the three seed in this, and the two seed Marquette in the other side. On the other side, I then have Memphis beating Oral Roberts and making it to the Elite Eight, and they'll take on Marquette, the two seed. And then I also have Memphis winning. As I said, I'm all in on Memphis winning and making it and representing the Final Four for the for the East Region. So in that in that Final Four game, we will have Alabama facing Memphis. Okay, moving over to the other side, the Midwest Region. I have Houston, the one seed, making it, and they will take on the four seed Indiana. Um, and then on the the bottom side of of this uh, of the Midwest Region, I have Iowa State making it to the Sweet 16, the 6th seed and they will take on the 7 seed Texas A&M. I then have Houston beating Indiana and making it to the Elite 8, and then Texas A&M beating Iowa State and making it to the Elite 8. Houston then beats Texas A&M and Houston represents the Midwest region in the final in the final 4. And then finally in the West region, I have Kansas the 1 seed um, taking on VCU, the 12th seed. So a couple 12 seeds. Um, and then I also have TCU, the sixth seed, uh, taking on UCLA, the two seed. And then I have Kansas beating VCU and, and making it to the Elite Eight. And they will face UCLA, the two seed in the Elite Eight. And then I have UCLA beating Kansas to make it to the Final Four and represent uh, the West region in the Final Four. So my Final Four Alabama. From the Alabama from the south region, Memphis from the east region will face each other, and then from the midwest region, Houston will take on the west region representative in UCLA. My championship is going to be Alabama against Houston. Wow, that's a shocker. And I have Alabama winning the national championship. My tiebreaker score is 84-79. to Okay so yeah so I have Alabama that obviously you can tell by my futures and and you can see the teams that I've I bet on the teams that I, I pick to go pretty far. I think Houston's definitely gonna be the biggest spoiler. they're probably the best team in college basketball but at the same time they showed they were vulnerable in their conference turn in their conference championship game um, and they've showed it a couple times throughout the year. I still definitely think there's a really good chance they win it um, but at the same time I like I like a lot of the teams. Um, that I've got futures on to make it pretty far, especially the way that this all uh, came to be in the bracket. So, okay, we'll move on to NASCAR. So William Byron um, gets his second straight win in the Cup Series. Um, he's won now four stages in the last out of the last six in the last two races. Uh, had a really, really good day at Las Vegas. Led a, pretty much the whole first half of the race. Then Kyle Larson led... Um, a lot of the second half until there was a caution with six remaining, they did a green white checkered and William Byron made a great pass on the inside, um, and took a commanding lead at the end of the race and won. And then at Phoenix, William Byron, again, led a lot of the beginning of the race, won the first stage, kind of fell back in, in was still in the top five for most of the day, but kind of fell back and, uh, was running pretty far behind both the other two leaders in, um, in Kevin Harvick. And and Kyle Larson throughout the the stage two and stage three, and then again a caution with about 10, eleven ten laps to go. Um, they did a, a restart with uh I believe it was six laps to go, and or four laps to go. Or no, three laps to go. I'm sorry, it was three laps to go. And again on the first lap, another caution. There was a wreck, and William Byron um in the pits in in a, in his pit came in and only took two tires minimal fuel and came out second place made a great pass on the restart wins again uh, another really really good uh restart and and just really good execution by william byron on these restarts and, and uh, but honestly though you know a lot of people are talking about how it's just kind of luck for william byron he these cautions have given him an opportunity to win and that is true kevin harvick had a fantastic car at phoenix uh, really should have won the race if there wasn't a caution, but that being said, it is an art what William Byron is doing right now, and it's showing a lot of maturity and a lot of progression for him as a young driver to be able to consistently do this and take advantage of the opportunities that he's he's um, he's that he's gotten, along with the fact that he's been running in the top five in these races pretty much the whole day. He's had one of the best cars, He's 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 had really good days, and he's been in the right position at the right time, so I think William Byron's ascending. I think he's you know, like I said, showing that he has a lot of um, really good strategy, and uh, I think he's a, a really hot candidate to win the whole thing this year, but we'll see as the season goes on. It's a really long season, but really good start to the season again for William Byron. And then on the last lap, oh boy, if you're not list- if you're not a big NASCAR fan, um, or if you think the NASCAR is boring, if you're one of those people, you know, that's okay, but I think one of the most underrated things about NASCAR, the Cup Series especially, but really all of NASCAR, is the unbelievable amount of pettiness and drama between drivers in these races, especially at the end of races and what happens after the races a lot of times. So, to take you guys back to last year, if you were not a big NASCAR fan, uh, you know, before listening to this podcast, um, (laughs) Ross Chastain... Uh, kind of burst onto the scene in his track house number one car last year and won a couple races early on the year and was kind of dominant throughout uh, the middle of the year and then fell off a little bit, but was super dominant and, and had a iconic move uh, at Martinsville to get himself into the final four of the playoffs in NASCAR, finished second place in the standings. But throughout the season, he definitely developed a rivalry with Denny Hamlin there was a couple different races where he made a really aggressive move and spun Denny Hamlin or bumped into Denny Hamlin more appropriately. Uh, and Denny Hamlin's somebody who likes to whine and complain when he gets raced hard. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, Ross was aggressive. It wasn't dirty. It wasn't anything that, that NASCAR penalized him. They warned him, but they didn't penalize him. Um, Ross just made a lot of really aggressive moves, and Denny Hamlin ha- happened to be in the lead of a lot of races and racing against Ross. Well, Denny Hamlin basically told him he had it coming, and that was shown in the playoffs. Denny Hamlin made a couple moves to go out of his way to block Ross Chastain, to um, you know help other people around Ross Chastain, and apparently it is rolling over into this season. So Denny Hamlin's not done whining, complaining, and being a little uh, princess, for lack of a better term. Um, And he decided, while him and Ross Chastain on the restart with the green-white checkered at the end of uh, the race at Phoenix this weekend, he decided that he was going to just end both him and Ross Chastain's day. Um, He slid up the track. He he actually slowed up, slid up the track, and pushed Ross right up into the wall, um, held his car against Ross's for a split second. Then Ross kind of fell back along with Denny Hamlin. He ruined both their days. They were running 6th and 7th at the time. Um, Ross kind of slowed up and then Ross took off, uh, around the backstretch and Denny floored it again, came up to Ross again and pushed him right back up into the wall one more time. Um, they end up being the last two cars who finished on the lead lap because of the multiple, uh, hits and blocks that Denny Hamlin put on to Ross Chastain. So what really ticks me about something like that is every single time that Ross Chastain has been in an incident with Denny Hamlin, or anyone, it's been because Ross Chastain is trying to win races. Ross Chastain is doing whatever he can to win races, whether it's using a service road at a road course or riding the wall around Martinsville to get it, to launch himself into the playoffs over Denny Hamlin. Ross Chastain always is making moves to try to win races. If you don't love that as a NASCAR fan, I don't know why you watch the sport. But Denny Hamlin does this, and decides to end his day, lose a ton of playoff points for him and Ross because he knew he wasn't going to win and he just wanted to ruin Ross Chastain's day. That's petty. That's childish. That's awful for the sport of NASCAR. Denny Hamlin is awful for the sport of NASCAR, how he's acting lately. Really good driver. Really talented. Awful for the sport of NASCAR. So... I, I, it's not going to really affect Ross Chastain. He still sits third in the points. Um, you know, and it is what it is for him. But at the same time, um, it's just that kind of stuff needs to be. I, I, think NASCAR needs to do something about it. Um, eventually, if it continues, and and I hope they do. Okay, got some best bets for you guys for the tournament games on Thursday and Friday, and one best bet for uh, Wednesday in the NBA. But I'm gonna take a really quick break here, and I'll be back. Um, so. We'll be back, like I said, with best bets, and then we'll conclude the episode here on Nonstop BS. All right, we're back here. So, for the best bets for the tournament games on Thursday and Friday in the March Madness tournament, I have quite a few. So, bear with me here. Um, I have four, it looks like, for Thursday, and then four for Friday. And then I'll give you one NBA bet that I have for tomorrow night or for Wednesday night. and, uh, yep. And that'll be it for the episode. So bets for Thursday for the NCAA tournament. The first game that I have <clears throat> that I like a lot is the seven versus seven and 10 seed of Utah state taking on Missouri, Utah state's favored in this one. They're the 10 seed. Um, they're favored by one and a half right now. The total is one fifty-four and a half. and uh, I'm taking Missouri on the money line here. Missouri has been really strong as an underdog all year long. Um, and they were really strong all in the month of February, especially toward the end. Um, but, you know, yeah, as an underdog this year, they're 7 and 7. But a lot of those underdog wins came um, at the end of the year. Missouri is a team that is kind of similar to me as Memphis. They can beat anyone, they can lose to anyone. Like, they're just like really, they fluctuate a lot. Um, But I like Missouri's matchup a lot going into this game uh, against Utah State. Utah State's been really good. Against the spread, they're 21-12 and this year. Um, But like I said, Missouri, I'm getting plus 105. Missouri has some really good wins on their schedule as of recent as well, uh, including Tennessee, um, Ole Miss, LSU. So uh, I like Missouri plus 105. I'm putting one unit on that. I also like the Oral Roberts-Duke game. So, uh, for this one, Duke is favored by 6.5. Total is 145.5. Duke is the 5 seed. Oral Roberts, the 12 seed. Uh, Like I said, Duke's 6.5 right now. Um, This one was 7.5 when it opened. Oral Roberts is getting bet. I like Oral Roberts. I still like them at 6.5. I like them all the way down to... uh, What did I have here? When I projected these. I have it at six. Um, So 6.5 minus 110, I'm going to bet that. Um, I think Duke is just a very vulnerable favorite through this whole tournament. I have them in my one bracket losing this game, and then I have them in another bracket, uh, I think, winning this game and then losing the second round. So I think Duke is super vulnerable, and uh, Oral Roberts, plus the points here, Oral Roberts is a really, really good basketball team. Um, I'm going to take them at 6.5. Okay, Utah State at Missouri. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I only have three bets. I I wrote Utah State, Missouri twice. Uh, Penn State at Texas A&M is my last bet for tomorrow. Uh, Texas A&M is favored by three. Total is 134.5. I found a Texas A&M minus 2.5, minus 120. I love Texas A&M in this game all the way up to five. So Texas A&M minus 2.5 is my bet for this one. Okay, and then on Friday here, I have Kensaw State at Xavier uh xavier is favored by 11 and a half, totals 151 kensaw state is a team that i think could beat a lot of these favorites i think they're a team that um also has a possibility of being a sleeper team as a 14 seed i'm taking them plus 11 and a half, minus 110 i think they're going to keep this game really close xavier is by far by quite a bit of the better team but i think kensaw state could play with pretty much about anyone in this tournament so um kensaw state Plus 11.5, minus 110 for a unit. VCU at St. Mary's. VCU is another one of my favorite teams. St. Mary's is favored in this game by four. The total is 123. It's supposed to be really low scoring. I love VCU. Plus four. Plus four and a half is also available, juiced. Um, but I'm taking VCU on the money line. Plus 162. Uh, you know, this is a, a game that I feel like they're having a hard time um, figuring out how to line this one. And it's probably also because there's a lot of money coming into this game because a lot of people like VCU. You can find VCU at some books, they're 138. Some books are 145. Some books are 160. I found them 162. If you can find that, that's a full unit play. Otherwise, I would probably, if, if it's more 145, 140, I'd probably take the points, the four points. But 162 is just way too good of a price to me um, to take them. Okay, and then I like Drake at Miami. Miami is a two-point favorite. Total is 147.5. I found a Miami one minus 1.5, minus 120. This is a game where everyone is fading Miami. Everyone is fading, fading Miami as much as they can. This opened Miami a three-and-a-half point favorite all the way down to 1.5. It may sit at 1.5. I kind of feel like it will. I think it's gone too far. I like Miami minus 1.5. Um, if you can get it at minus 110, that's amazing. If you can get Miami under two, uh, or at two I think that's an awesome bet I think that it's just I think it's gone too far the the fading of Miami and and all the money that's against Miami um, has taken this line all the way down to basically getting close to a pick and that's insane to me so Miami minus one and a half and then the last game I like you already know Florida Atlantic at Memphis Memphis two and a half point favorite depending on where you look totals 122 152 and a half uh Memphis minus two like I said I'm a huge Memphis I wouldn't call myself a fan, but apparently I'm a huge Memphis fan. I'm a huge Memphis backer. I'm gonna be through this tournament. So Memphis minus two, minus one ten, best line that I found. One unit play there too as well. Okay, my one bet for tomorrow night in the NBA is the uh, is in the Warriors at the Clippers game. The Clippers are two and a half point favorites. Totals two thirty four and a half in this one. The Warriors have been super super hot though. Ever since uh, Saturday night, they've won two straight games now. Um, against the Bucks and um, against the Suns in dominating fashion. Now against the Bucks, it was it was a lot closer throughout the rest of the game as well. But um, really, just Steph Curry is playing fantastic. Clay Thompson is shooting the ball great. Uh, Kevon Looney has been great um, uh, with the boards and just he's been great around the rim. Really throughout a lot of the season, but as of late, he's been dominant. Um, <clears throat> this team's getting back to where they were at the end of last year when they won the championship and uh, I, I think this road this crazy road streak um where they're like 90 and 30 90 and 31 uh, against the spread on the road I think that's about to end at least to a degree I mean they're clearly they clearly play better at home but I, I think I think it's got to end somewhere the Clippers have not been playing their best basketballs of late <clears throat> I don't find there to be any reason that they should be favored in this game against the Warriors. I think there's too much respect still to this Clippers group that does not play together very often. Um, and I think the Warriors, like I said, are just getting back into form. Um, I like the more Warriors on the money line, plus 120. There's going to be a full unit play. Um, and, uh, yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter for more of my bets. I'll be back with another episode on Saturday of Nonstop BS, and we'll have all of our uh, weekend bets in the college basketball March Madness tournament games on Saturday and Sunday, and uh, we'll have more for the NBA for the weekend and bets for the Ambetter Health 400 at Atlanta Motor Speedway on Sunday. Okay, Um, thank you guys again for listening to me. Ton of stuff that I went through today, Um, a lot of action in the sporting world. This has been a really fun week. Uh, I anticipate the weekend being awesome too. Hopefully, we'll get some more news and maybe a conclusion on Aaron Rodgers, maybe on Lamar Jackson as well although I don't find that one as likely, and a lot of freaking basketball to watch this week, and I'm super excited. Um, if you're not following me yet on Twitter, you can follow me at Lynchide Cole. I'm trying to do a lot of promotions and a lot of uh, different things on Twitter for the podcast, so I hope you guys follow me there. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at nonstopbspod. Um, I don't do as much on that, but there's still a lot of content that I'm posting on both of those pages, so interact with me. Share my post, please. I would really appreciate it. Retweet my post. I would really appreciate that. Um, any sort of, If you guys are enjoying the podcast, any sort of promotion that you can do for me, I would so appreciate trying to get this thing going. I really appreciate everyone who would do that. Um, if, if you haven't rated, reviewed, and subscribed to the podcast, I would really appreciate that as well on whatever platform you're on. Um, the show is available pretty much everywhere you can find it. So if you tell a friend or tell anyone that you know that they may that may enjoy the podcast, um, tell them whatever wherever you listen to podcasts, nonstop BS is on there. Um, and yep, I think that's pretty much it. So we'll see you guys back on Saturday morning. Good luck betting and and filling out your brackets for the March Madness, uh, the college basketball tournament, and we'll see you on Saturday. Thank you for listening to nonstop BS. personally felt like we had a really successful episode, and, you know, we're not really about the saris like any of the catch-ups like where I was, what I was doing. You know what? We did it. We moved on. and.